My minister told me in 2007 when I was at a very tough point in my life, he told me, he said, Stevie, he said, uh, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. Wayne, I pray every day to be worthy of the position that uh, the Lord has me in. Thanks for joining us. This is First Person. Welcome to today's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Opening our show today, you heard the voice of Stephen Camp, who is the executive producer of a new film to be released in the fall called Brothers Keeper. You'll get to know Steve and more about Christian filmmaking in just a moment. First Person is here each week at this time, and we feature people whose lives are fully dedicated to Jesus Christ, who gives them meaning and purpose in life. Through conversation, we learn much about how God moves and leads the life which is committed to Him. If you'd like to check out additional information about today's guest or any past interview, you can visit us online at firstpersoninterview.com. Well, over the past couple of years on First Person, we've been tracking several of the companies and people who are being called of God to make high-quality films with biblical values. Well, I met Stephen Camp at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, and we sat down to talk about his life and his role in producing the upcoming movie, Brother's Keeper. I, uh, I have a very unique, unique story, Wayne. Uh, my background is uh, the financial markets. I uh, broke in back in the early 90s and worked, broke, worked for a, a Wall Street-based bond house and spent many years of my life uh, not making the best decisions, to be honest with you. And uh, our, uh, our family uh, has a very unique story. I watched my father uh, become baptized in 2004 uh, at the age of 67 years old. He, uh, my father was one of those guys that always believed in a higher power, but he didn't believe that Jesus uh, was, died and, and was resurrected, basically, is what he always struggled with. Mm-hmm. And uh, ironically, uh, I watched my father get baptized in 2004, and in 2005, uh, I recommitted my life to Christ. And uh, the story, Because of your dad's step? Be, be watching my dad take that journey was just amazing. I'd always been a believer, and I was one of those guys that went to church when I could. I was always so busy. I never really committed my life to Christ and committed my life to my church and my church family. And after watching my father make that journey, it just it led our entire family hmm. to you know seeing the power of, of believing and the power of, of a church family. And we belong to a, to a very small church in Aurora, Illinois, the first Christian church. Uh, we have 135 people on Easter, you know. So, uh, but it's the that church family is the warmest family. I mean, as uh, ironically, my father had a stroke uh, two years after he uh, was baptized, and getting on that plane in L.A. and flying home to Chicago, not knowing that entire flight if my father was going to be alive when I landed. I've never ever felt the power of of what my the decision that my father had made in his life and what that meant for us, yeah. his family. I had I had peace on that plane knowing that, that, of course, I wanted him to still be with us, but that if he was gone, that two years prior to that, he had committed his life to Christ, and uh, I knew that there was a future. Well, when you took that step of rededication, what, what changed for you? How, oh. how are you different, Steve? You know, I, uh, I still have a lot of room for growth. I'm not a perfect person, Wayne, by any means, but I think what's changed for me is I've started to try to think about the decisions that I make on a day-to-day basis more than I ever used to. Uh, I've, I've especially been involved with this film and all the special people that we've met uh, in this process. I've realized that um, God's always given me some special skills. I've always been very outgoing, a very people person, and I know that. I think that I've learned to control some, some of my energy more as I've become more of an adult, and especially uh, since I've recommitted my life to Christ, I want to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just uh, on, on how many hours you work or how much money you can raise 
be held accountable on your on your decisions you make every day. So you're channeling your gifts into kingdom values. I that, hope so. That's what you're saying? I am definitely trying. Yeah. I think that's a yeah. great goal. So you have a business background. I do. Yes, sir. And things were going well? Things are going very well, actually. Uh, uh, when I, uh, in 2008, uh, after a couple of tough things happened to me in 2007, Wayne, uh, in 2008, I was out in Los Angeles uh, putting together a deal for a friend of mine in a hedge fund. And while I was there, I met this gentleman, Josh Mills. And Josh was a passionate guy and a, an honest guy, and I just really took a liking to him right away. Um, Josh was one of those guys that every morning before work, he was out on the phone out in the parking lot. At lunch, he was in the hallway. After work, he was downstairs on his cell phone. And uh, one time I asked him, I said, Josh, what is this that you're so passionate about? And he said, Steve and I have this company, Desert Wind Films. I'm working out of my car. I'm working out of my garage. I, I, this is my dream. And I said, Josh, you know, what, what do you need? And he says, well, I, I need money, you know, like everybody else uh, in Hollywood. And I just took such a liking to Josh that I immediately went out and found him an angel investor hmm. and uh, never dreamt that I would uh, be in the, in, become in the industry. So you, you come to that meeting with a background in business. That is correct. Uh, success and difficulty all wrapped up in your life? Absolutely. A lot of success, some difficulty, of course. And uh, uh, I didn't realize until I look back now that that is right where, where God said, hmm. hey, I have a new... He used that broken time, didn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. My, my minister told me, Wayne, and, uh, that... Uh, uh, in 2007, when I was at a, at a very tough point in my life, he told me, he said, Stevie, he said, uh, uh, the, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. Mm. And until I looked back on it now, I realized that in 2008, when I met Josh and found him an angel investor and Wayne, he offered me the position and said, would you please come be our CFO? And I said, no. I'm not, I'm a Wall Street guy. I'm a Chicago guy. I'm not an LA guy. I don't know anything about movies. And ironically, I realized that that is what God had, you know, that he was presenting me with and uh, was putting me in a position uh, to where, Wayne, I pray every day to be worthy of mm-hmm. the position that uh, the Lord has me in. You said that so quickly, and it's so important. I want to go back to it. The will of God. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. That's become a motto for you, hasn't it? It absolutely has. It's a summary of your life. Absolutely, 100%. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a new day. Your it's life new... thus far, I should say. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're so young in our careers. I mean, yeah. this is exciting that we're just now starting to kind of realize the, the, the real position uh, that the Lord has put us in, especially yeah. with this movie. We yeah. had no idea. I want to talk about Brothers Keeper in a moment, but I, I got I to ask you more questions about how God prepared you for this assignment, because it's sure. always interesting to me how God cultivates and prepares us, even through brokenness, Absolutely. for what he eventually calls us to do. Absolutely. You know, our story was uh, my mother and I, every Christmas Eve, would walk over to the little local church, a block and a half away, small little corner church, and it turns out this is First Christian, and uh, five Christmas Eves in a row, we, uh, we made that walk in the cold on Christmas Eve, and we just loved it, and it was kind of my mom and I's spiritual time together. It was very, very important to us, and the minister, Mike Reagan, remembered us every year, and that's how it started, Wayne, is we took my dad, said, Dad, you like to sing, you like people, you know, please just come with us for the Christmas Eve service. And he said, sure. My dad drove the church bus when I was young at First Presbyterian Church. So he wasn't... He wasn't, uh, he wasn't in my way. Yeah. He just didn't lie about it. He just didn't believe. And this is kind of where it all took place, Wayne, is uh, um, 
Uh, my dad came over to that Christmas Eve service, knew half the congregation, absolutely had a blast. And as it turns out, we had a bad snowstorm two or three nights later. And my father was out plowing for his company, was coming home on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, like 4 a.m., and saw Mike shoveling the sidewalk. Oh, my goodness. Stopped, helped Mike shovel, helped, <laughs> helped our minister yeah. shovel the sidewalk. Mike took him in for a cup of hot chocolate. And it was about six months later that my father was saved. It starts with a relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You learned that in your own situation. 100%. Okay. So now you're in LA and you've got this business background and you come into contact with Josh Mills. That is correct. And you bring an investor along, but you're the financial guy and he's the movie guy. I mean, how did that partnership develop? That was a very unique uh, situation in my life. And again, I look back now and I realize it was, you know, it was God. Uh, with his fingerprints on my life and on our lives. And uh, I never dreamt. I had so many friends that had raised money for movies in the past. And they had horror stories. I never thought that was for me. I'm not a, I'm not a drive a Ferrari kind of guy. I, you know, I'm not a Los Angeles guy. I just never have been. I'm a big city guy, but not really, you know, not really the, uh, the West Coast. And in, in talking to Josh and realizing what a special guy he was, I realized that there maybe was a place for me. And ironically, I, I called Josh after he had made the offer. And I said, Josh, something that I'd want to think about if I ever took this position, um, I would demand that we had open book accounting with our investors to get rid of that stigma of mm-hmm. Hollywood accounting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he immediately agreed. He was like, Stephen, I love it. And uh, uh, I, we brought in an angel investor and I took over the uh, financial department of Desert Wind Films and we, we turned our lights on and opened our doors. Yeah, but there's no guarantee. I mean, an independent film producer in Hollywood Ooh. who makes films with the values that you want to make, I mean, that, that's a tough road to hoe. You're absolutely correct. One of the first decisions that we made was to open up Desert Wind Faith Films. And uh, we were committed. Now, we did not know at that time that our first you know, feature film was going to be a faith-based film. That was God working. Um, but as it turns out, we, tur- we opened up the lights. We turned on Desert Wind Films. We opened up our Desert Wind Faith Films division. And we immediately uh, received a short story, uh, just randomly, an unsolicited uh, short story called The Gift and the Giver that turned into this, and we can get into all that. But it was, uh, uh, as it turns out, you know, our, our first feature film at Desert Wind Films is a, is a faith-based project that we're very proud of. Take just a moment, and we've got a minute here before we take a break, but take a moment and describe the landscape for this type of film now. Things have really changed in the last five years, haven't they? Absolutely, absolutely. One of the, you know, one of the stigmas that... Uh, uh, that really helped me get my head around how can this, you know, this building a brand, you know, in a film kind of work was studying the, the model from Fireproof, uh, from the guys at Sherwood Pictures. They are, you know, we're so proud of what they've done, especially now with Courageous. Um, you know, following the, the numbers behind Fireproof, for me being a numbers guy and a Wall Street guy, I had to show my investors that there's potential in a project like this beyond the screen. And that's exactly, you know, where, where our principles lie in the ancillary revenue of these projects and, and turning a film into a Christian resource. So all these films are drawing strength from each other. Absol- You're all learning from each other. Absolutely. Soul Surfer, I mean, no question about it. I mm-hmm. hope so. I hope that people will be able to learn from us, and we're, we're definitely willing to uh, share any, uh, any knowledge we have in the industry with anyone. Coming up in part two today, we'll learn more of the backstory behind the new movie Brothers Keeper with our guest, Stephen Camp. Country and Western music's Joey and Rory join us next week to talk about their music. But with songs and the music we create today in someone else's home, they're listening to that. And it affects those people in their lives and encourages them or heals them. And 
And that didn't happen unless we set start being creative. Joey and Rory talk about their faith, their family, and living on a farm in Tennessee. Next time on First Person. In Nashville today, talking with Steve Camp, executive producer of a movie coming out called Brothers Keeper, part of Desert Wind Films. And uh, Steve, we've heard your story and you've told us about how God called you into this film industry when you didn't really expect to be Absolutely. doing that. Uh, talk to me, you, you mentioned the, the, the short story that came along that was called The Gift and the Giver? The Gift and the Giver, yes. Uh, in April of 2009, TJ and Joshua and I had just opened up our company a year prior. We were struggling, uh, a new production firm in Hollywood. You know, the, the odds of us you know, being successful were very grim. And uh, when you talk about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, we literally, <laughs> we literally had a loaf of bread and peanut yeah. butter and jelly in the office. You uh, know what it is to uh, be abased and abound. Huh? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we were working late one night working on our executive summary, and we got a call from a gentleman in Noonan, Georgia, uh, who had a short story, a 23-page short story called The Gift and the Giver, and he wanted to know what it would cost to make a short film. And uh, we don't typically read these unsolicited, you know, people that call us because you get yeah, in trouble. Once, once you go down that you road, you're going to spend all your time doing that. Or if, you know, if we do a film, if, if we read something about a baseball player that breaks his leg and words that wins a World Series and another, you know, they could say we infringed on their rights. But ironically, uh, Josh had that gentleman email him that short story that night. And uh, Josh called me at 11 o'clock that night and said, Stephen, have you read the short story? And I said, you know, I'll read it tomorrow. <laughs> He's like, do me a favor, read it, and let's have a meeting about it in the morning. Hmm. And I read it. And that morning, that next morning, we had our meeting. Wayne, we knew we had a story. That Did we you had. know it was a feature film? Uh, no, this was just a little 23-page short story that knocked our socks off. And we knew right then that this was a story we had to share with the world. We didn't know in what capacity we were going to share it yet. If nothing else, we could help support the writer into making this a short film. Um, we immediately flipped gears and had, had a, a call with that gentleman and said, we'd like to obtain the rights to your short story. We bought the short story from him, all the rights, and uh, gave him a little piece of the film in perpetuity to say, we think this can be bigger. Uh, we handed the, the, the short story uh, off to a professional writer named Brianna Hartman. And uh, over the course of the next year, we developed that 23-page short story into full-length feature film, Brothers Keeper. Huh. Now, you, you say that, but it, it's got to be a lot more to it than that. Oh, it was, uh, yeah. it was, it was very... Uh, we had 17 revisions on, <laughs> on the script itself. Uh, Brianna came back with a beautiful first draft. And then we you know, incorporated Joshua Mills, uh, co-director of the project, my business partner, uh, implemented a lot of his own ideas and his own creative, uh, his own creative skills into this uh, uh, story itself. Steve, we're having this conversation um, well in advance of the film actually being released. Do you have a release date at this point? We do not have a release date at this point, but we're, we're targeting fall of okay. uh, 2012. Right. So we want our listeners to kind of be on the watch for Brothers Keeper. Absolutely. It's going to be in theaters. 800 screens. We want you to get the backstory here today as we talk with, uh, with Steve. All right. Um, what is it? I'll let you tell me as much as you want to tell me about this story. I mean, this is always a tricky question because I don't want you to give away too much. Sure. But. And I'm, uh, I'm one. Uh, that's one of the things, uh, Wayne, that, that when I raised all the money for this project, it wasn't because I, was, uh, I had a Wall Street background or I was good <laughs> at raising money. I told the story, the entire story, okay. to churches and to investors, and they were so blown away. Again, when you yeah. hear it and you know, yeah. uh, this is something that's very profound. It's a story of forgiveness. Absolutely. One of those mega themes that we, we struggle with in life, right? That, that is correct. It's a story uh, uh, that takes place in the 1950s. 
uh, about two identical twin brothers, Pete and Andy. And ironically, uh, when we developed the project, we developed it as Fishers of Men, uh, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, uh, Fishers of Men. Okay. Uh, Brothers Keeper was just a better title for yeah, us, yeah. but the two twin brothers, Pete and Andy, uh, are identical physically, but they are polar opposites uh, spiritually. Pete is a very good boy, and all he wants to do is graduate from high school in 1957 and go on and go to the seminary and become a preacher. That was his dream. He fell in love with a uh, beautiful blonde hair, blue-eyed Christian gal. They had the perfect life. The only thing that they loved more than each other, Pete and Maggie, uh, was their unyielding love for God. Andy... On the other hand, Pete's twin brother was uh, a black leather coat, drinker, smoker. The antagonist. Uh, yeah. And you know, <laughs> as it turns out, you'll find out why in the story. Andy is angry with God and angry with humanity. And um, some bad things happened to these boys and, uh, early in their lives. Andy didn't want to hear about what an awesome God we have. You know, if God is so awesome, why did these bad things happen to me? And he kind of remained that bitter you know, character until about halfway through our movie, uh, when when Pete ends up getting convicted of a murder that he didn't commit, uh, uh, he ends up going to death row. And the bad things continue to happen, but now they're happening to Pete. It's Andy who comes in to visit Pete in prison and says, Pete, you know what? Life isn't working uh, the way it's been going. We lost, you know, we've lost some people. Some bad things have happened. Uh, I've decided that I want to be a preacher. And one of the beautiful things about our movie, Wayne, is that Andy does go to the seminary, and Andy does take the walk of salvation, and he's baptized, and he does become a preacher. So it's almost a reversal yes. while, while Pete— Reversal is, of fortune. Absolutely. Pete's in prison and starting to question his faith in, in God and in humanity and why are these bad things happening to me? I'm a good person. While Andy, you know, kind of the bad guy, takes the walk of salvation and uh, uh, kind of sees the light. And Let me hit the pause button here. Sure. Because— I'm sitting here watching you and listening to you tell this story, which I'm sure you have told hundreds of times, thousands, thousands of, of times. times, and yet you're so enthusiastic about it. It's an amazing story. What, what's driving that in you? Uh, the story itself. I mean, just the uh, uh, knowing, you know, I want to tell the whole world right now what happens, but I can't. They'll, they'll see when they watch the movie. It's right. powerful. I mean, our story uh, uh, is definitely, you know, it definitely demonstrates God's love and not just through forgiveness. Forgiveness is most definitely the underlying message in our film, but there is a message of sacrifice and salvation and love and redemption. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I'm very proud of this project. How did you guys go about casting Brothers Keeper? You know what? My two partners, I was actually on the ground uh, in southwest Georgia raising the money for the project. My two partners who co-directed Brothers Keeper, Joshua Mills and TJ Amato, uh, uh, casted uh, while I was raising the money. They did a phenomenal job. We reached out to uh, Travis Tritt, and mm -hmm. we're very, very, very fortunate that uh, Travis took the, the role of Eddie Waters. While Pete is in prison and is going through some really, really tough times, kind of like a, I characterize Travis Tritt's role of Eddie Waters in our movie as Morgan Freeman's role yeah. read in Shawshank uh -huh, Redemption. Uh -huh. Travis is in prison for a murder he did commit. And uh, uh, when, they, when, when Pete first gets to prison, a bad guy comes up. Pete's, Pete's reading his Bible up against the fence. And one of the bad guys in prison comes up and slaps the Bible out of his hand and is going to hurt Pete. It's Travis that runs up, knocks that guy out of the way, picks up Pete's Bible and hands it to him and says, 
not everybody's a believer, son. The most unlikely hero. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And Travis did a phenomenal job. And then, of course, uh, uh, I don't know how much you know about the cast, but we brought in uh, Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker was, you know, and Ray Weiss both uh, performed a couple of scenes together in our film, and they are two veterans of Hollywood. Uh, we brought in uh, Alex, uh, Alex and Graham Miller to play the twins. They did a phenomenal job. They're Chicago boys, uh, like myself, and we really I enjoyed meeting them and their family. Daniel Simonis came in and played Gordon Lee Master. Robin Lively, Robin Lively played uh, his mother. We had a, a, a very very Hollywood recognizable cast in yeah, Brothers Keeper. I, I watch guys like you work behind the scenes. It's incredible the 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 amount of work that's involved Absolutely. and the length of time it takes to make a movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. We 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 got the short story in uh, April of 2009. It took us a year almost to the date to to develop the project. April of 2010, I went out and raised the money. Uh, we launched Principal Photography in September 16th of 2010. We wrapped on October 17th, 2010, and here we are uh, 18 months later, and we're still mm-hmm. you know, eight months out from our release because mm-hmm. of all the prep time necessary for the screens and the exhibitors. So uh, a business question, how do you keep the investors with you during that whole waiting period? That's a, that's a great question, and one of the biggest things uh, that I try to when I speak to people regarding raising money for a project is manage expectations. First of all, uh, we are very blessed. Our investors... Uh, they get it, don't they? They get it. Yeah. And they're in this project. In all honesty, as much as we believe this is going to be a great investment, I believe that 80% of my investors would tell you that they're in this because it's a God thing, mm-hmm. because they're proud to support this project. They were proud to support a project that we shot in their backyard. We used three actual ministers from Bainbridge, Georgia and Cockwood, Georgia in our film and minister positions. We really engaged with the community. And uh, um, so to answer your question, managing expectations is very important, Um, but finding the right group of people to believe in you and actually invest their hard-earned money into your project is very important as well. Well, Steve, I wanted to have this conversation at this point, even before the film's uh, release date has been announced, because uh, we do need prayer. Absolutely. Uh, I know you would want people to pray for this and all other projects like it, these crossover films that get into major theatrical releases that have these values that we cherish so much. Absolutely. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I would, I would hope, and there are a lot of people, I receive emails every day for people that are praying for us. Uh, if I was to uh, uh, ask for a, a prayer request, I would ask for uh, a prayer request for our marketing team. We have a marketing team of people in this business that have worked on Fireproof, Courageous, Soul Surfer, uh, some very top-notch individuals that have dedicated their lives to our project. Uh, I would pray and ask for prayer uh, to help guide them through their efforts as we take this film uh, out on 800 screens this fall. This whole thing has given you a passion and a purpose in life, hasn't it? No question about it. God bless. There's no question about it. As Steve said, the movie Brothers Keeper will be released this fall in theaters. It's the latest in a series of excellent crossover faith-based feature-length films, movies that are making an impact in people's lives spiritually. And films like this are getting the attention of Hollywood at the same time as they see people lining up to see wholesome movies. There's more about Brothers Keeper and its executive producer, Stephen Camp, at firstpersoninterview.com. We've placed links for you to follow to learn more about what's to come from this new production company. Learn more about Brothers Keeper and Steve by going to firstpersoninterview.com. And then if you'd like to interact with us, the easiest way to do that is by visiting us on Facebook. We're found at facebook.com forward slash interview. 
Again, that's facebook.com forward slash first person interview. And I look forward to hearing from you this week. Well, next week will be a real treat for us as we take you to the Tennessee farm of Joey and Rory Feek. Known in country and western circles as Joey and Rory, this couple love the Lord and are having the time of their life singing music and living on their farm. You'll meet Joey and Rory as we sit down in their kitchen and talk next week on First Person. With thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for listening to First Person. First Person.